friends, listeners, followers, lend me your ear holes. That's a bit over the top and kind of weird, actually. Uh, anyways, hello, Nana Nation and the Awkward Army. Um, does that work? Do you guys like that? Awkward Army? Uh, do I have enough followers even for an army? Followers? <laughs> That's kind of a weird term, too, eh? Uh, makes it sound like I'm some sort of mystical guide. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. <clears throat> um, yeah, moving along. Uh, in this episode, I sit down with Hellattack leader and friend of mine, Adam Nissen, a.k.a. Ikea. We're at the YYT airport, which is St. John's, Newfoundland. Uh, during the recording, I was en route to Austria for an NCHL hockey tournament. That's how far back this episode goes, back to September 2017. This is one of the two uh, lost episodes, two of two, I should say. I uh, hope you guys enjoy our silly sounding laughs. They're quite ridiculous, actually. We both kind of sound like Seth Rogen. Uh, remember, listen, like, subscribe, and share. Cheers. Hope you guys enjoy. The, <coughs> the Awkward Throat Clear. Now, here's your host, Aaron Chalupa. I gotta do that. Oh, just really cutting it close and whatnot. Yeah. No, if you can't stop for a beer in between flights, it's too short. Oh, man, I was, it was sacrilege almost. I had one when I was in uh, Calgary, thankfully, and that was about 9 a.m. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right, well, welcome to the talk there, Not After 30 Podcast listeners. This is the Awkward Throw Clear with Aaron Chalupa, the Chalupa Cabra. I'm here with uh, Adam Nissen, also known as Ikea, from the firefighting world. See, I was going there, Ikea. Good, good, very good. Yeah, right on, right on. So we're recording in St. John's, Newfoundland, at the airport, uh, right next to the Tim Hortons and the Cowdy Jack's Grill. Um, so and then, like, pretty much a few meters away from the departures, uh, or arrivals, road path as well. So More importantly, the giant plastic uh, shipwreck. It almost reminds me of like a Fisher-Price toy I once had. Mm. Mm. <laughs> we just gotta put it back together. Very interesting airport, a lot of history here too. I wish I could had, had a bit more time to explore, but you had to come and visit me, which was nice. Yeah, sorry about ruining your plan there, but... <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, tell us a little bit about yourself there, Ikea. Uh, oh geez, what to tell. Um, I'm just a guy, Chalupa. <laughs> a guy who thinks... Uh, Thinks freedom is good. No, I'm uh, <laughs> what, 23 years old. I've fought fire with Chalupa for about four years now, on and off, anyways. Yeah. Um, I like to adventure a whole bunch as much as I can. Uh, born and raised in Edmonton. Go Oilers. Go Oilers, indeed. Mm-hmm. Man, there's a lot of excitement around us. Finally. Oh, man, is it good? Uh, good time to be an Oilers fan now. I just, like, you know, on the entire flight here, when I was thinking about, like, talking to you and different questions and stuff, because it's been so uh, so long since I wrote my notes down, I figured I'd come up with some other questions. But I was just like, oh, man, how fun was it when we were in Steen at the beginning of the fire season and just watching the playoffs oh, and just yelling and yelling at the TV? Like, and people were like, and people like what's the score? And we're just looking at it, it's like, don't even talk about it. <laughs> don't even. And then they scored. Uh, who got the overtime winner there? Clefbaum or? It was, was the game no, no, no. Clefbaum tied the game or tied it at, yes. uh, with like an absolute rocket of yeah. a shot with yeah. like a minute left to go. Yeah. And, and then, then DeHarnay. Yeah. Yeah. The little D scored it. That's right. Little Davey. <laughs> no, hell of a time. Hell of a time. And we were actually on the same crew for a little bit as well with Nelson at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Heaviest fire crew that's ever been. I think our weight was something <laughs> like 3,000 pounds. Yeah. Somewhere around there. I think it was like 3,002. Just slinging us into the fires. <laughs> Only 60 pounds lighter than a four person hat crew. <laughs> <laughs> but that was just uh, to, you know, to carry all our... Uh, all our heart. Yeah, all the heart. <laughs> all the uh, 
all the all the hard work and the bullshit. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so you grew up in Edmonton. Yep. Yep. Uh, strong Ukrainian roots. Yeah, yeah. I've got my uh, my Baba and my Guido. I used to visit them all the time. Yep. Yeah, and that's on your mom's side, correct? That is on my mom's side. My dad's side's a little bit a uh, little bit German, a little bit Danish. Yeah. But uh, I didn't really see that side of the family too much, so it's Baba and Guido for me. So it's kind of funny how we call you IKEA because the Danish version would be Yusk. But you, what happened? You were working at IKEA. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, my little nothing job in between, well, I guess, the big nothing jobs that I have nowadays and in the end of high school, I worked at IKEA for a few years. And uh, when I went up to fight fires, I went up to the middle of nowhere where I, where I knew absolutely no one, which I guess is a commonality for me. No. And uh, when I went there, the only thing that anyone knew about me was that I used to work at Ikea. <laughs> so yeah. I've been and called Ikea ever since. And when you have a redneck leader and a redneck sub-leader, you know that they're going to pick on you for being a city boy, so they're going to pick that one thing. It's that, just like, that they did. We're not going to call you 42nd Ave, we're going to call you Ikea. That's the one. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, where were some of your hobbies growing up? You're very outdoorsy, you're very active and whatnot. Oh, geez, I'm outdoorsy and active right now, but that's because uh, when I was growing up, I really enjoyed uh, like sitting around, playing computer games games, mm-hmm. playing video games and such like that. So I've really had to uh, had to fight against sitting down too much. Uh, I, <laughs> sitting down is important at certain points. It certainly is. But uh, I like the adventure of getting out and about a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like when you're being suspended on the side of a rock cliff. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, always that's, fun. That's some good stuff. <laughs> um, it was sports you played. You played rugby, I know that. You didn't play football, did you? I did play football. You did play football yep. too. What was the position? Uh, I played uh, I played line, defensive line, defensive end, and uh, offensive tackle, usually about halfway through the season. I when. can see the defensive end for sure. And uh, I'm surprised, did they ever put you in like cornerback or anything like that? Like, like receiver coverage? You know what, funnily enough, when I was, funnily, uh, enough. funnily enough, I tried out for a junior football team after high school. I was way too small to play defensive end there, obviously. There's like 250 pound guys playing there, and those are the small ones. So they made me a halfback, actually. Mm-hmm. Defensive halfback. That's not bad. I was awful at it. Can't <laughs> run backwards. I played middle linebacker. I love that position so much. My, my dad was a middle linebacker. My brother was a middle linebacker. My other brother was a middle linebacker, and I started off as a defensive tackle. Nice. And I hated it. Yep. If, <laughs> I, I, was, if I was smart, I would have tried to play middle linebacker. Yeah, that would have been a better position for you, for sure, because you do have that foot speed. Hmm. Um, what did you play in rugby? Uh, rugby, I jumped around the forward pack a whole bunch. I played many, lots of years of rugby from when I was uh, a young teenager to an old teenager. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite was eight man, though. That's right at the back of the scrum. Um, sort of the fastest of the big guys, yep. biggest of the fast guys. Yep. And uh, he's the one who kind of runs around and joins the forwards. Forwards mainly just run around and smack things, and they don't get much glory, and they don't get to hold the ball much. Mm-hmm. Except for the eight-man. He gets to hold the ball just a little bit. See, like I never got to play rugby growing up. I had a friend that was a New Zealander, and, uh, or Kiwi, and he was really into rugby, so he taught me a little bit. Yep. And I love watching the game and all that kind of stuff. But uh, we never had a team in northern, <laughs> northern Alberta at fair, all. Fair, fair enough. Um, but I, so the position that you might have been in, was that kind of like maybe like Adam Kleberger? Adam Kleberger. Don't know the guy. Okay, well, he was playing for Team Canada there for the last couple of World Cups, and he had just, just gigantic, like, Grizzly Adams beard. He's one of the beardos. Yeah, yeah. I think he was either a prop or a flanker. So similar, like, same class of position, mm-hmm. just uh, a different uh, different one of those. So think uh, forwards are all sort of like linemen, yeah. linemen, linebackers, those sort of central folks who mm-hmm. do a lot of the hard work, a hard, lot of hitting. Mm-hmm. Um and a lot of like moving other people. Yeah. 
whereas the backs are sort of like your receivers and your defensive backs. They do a lot of the out wide stuff, a lot of fast running, trying to get around things. Yeah, yeah, fair um, enough. So yeah, same sort of, same similar sort of thing, but not the exact same position. Well, a really cool thing about uh, me bringing up uh, rugby to you is that our our podcast has been doing a lot of coverage for the Toronto Wolfpack. That's awesome. Yeah, Anthony's been uh, kind of the big media guy there. He's even gotten like media passes. Him and his wife and his new daughter, they got to check out the trophy and they put the daughter in the trophy and there's this hilarious picture of her just like screaming bloody murder in there. She's like, I don't like it, I don't like it. But uh, yeah, I know like, Toronto's really uh, taken this team and like gone full stride with it and they even won the, the championship this year. So the, Hey, that's awesome. Yeah, Congrats, no, no Wolfpack. The, yeah, yeah. So I was going to say, maybe next time uh, you're in the Toronto area, I'm not sure if you ever will be, but uh, yeah, give uh, give me a shout. I'll try to hook the guys up. Maybe we'll be able to get you to a Wolfpack game or not. That would be awesome. I'd <clears> love <throat> to go uh, go take advantage of that. Oh, yeah. It's, you know what? And it's good to see uh, a championship tra- team in Toronto again. I think yeah. it's the best thing for Canada. It would be the best <laughs> thing for Canada. That's oh, little, my goodness. That's a little jab to our friend uh, Zach Chubbs Thibodeau. Yeah, that way, right away, Chubbsy. Yeah. <laughs> apparently, apparently, a win for the Leafs, the Stanley Cup win for the Leafs, would be the best thing for Canada. I, I'm pretty sure that would be delightful to a lot of our listeners because most of our listeners are in the Toronto area, but uh, we do have a lot of listeners in other parts of the world, too. Uh, we even had a few uh, podcasts as well uh, covering uh, just, like, Rugby 101 for dummies, and they had a I forget where what college he played for, but it was a really good college in um, in the Ontario. I'm oh, sorry, in um, the Toronto area, I believe. You know the C, but yeah, he came in. He talked about it. It was really cool. That's so, cool. Gave a good little idea, but you know, obviously, when you're listening to it on radio or whatnot, it's a little bit harder to follow. A little uh, tough you know, to understand. Kind of get a, uh, an image of like where where people go and, and all that stuff, but. Yeah, nonetheless, it's a it's a very exciting sport, and hopefully, it catches on more and more and more. Hey, it's awesome. <coughs> There's less head trauma than in football. A little more, uh, mm-hmm. more often, more apt for facial scars, which <laughs> girls love. So, if anyone's out there thinking of trying out rugby, I'd recommend give it a go. It'll, oh, for sure. Toughen you up. Um, have you have fun? Have you looked at it like it? Do you, like I'm sure Munn has a rugby team or Munn doesn't have a rugby team no actually way. there uh, there are a couple rugby teams rugby clubs around the city actually just today I got the phone number of uh, one of the rugby clubs so oh, I'll be uh, going and trying to look at that in that's the next awesome. couple of days that's here. awesome so that's pretty much the only team sport you're looking at then right now uh, pretty much well, I might try I might look into water polo Oh yeah, come winter time. That's a hell of a workout. Yeah, water rugby might make me a little <laughs> bit fit here. I hear it's pretty dirty too. Like, oh, what, have, what happens under the water? You know, never gets called. So. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah. no, sweet. <laughs> like I said, water rugby sounds fun. That'd be really good for your legs, uh, for all kinds of stuff, and I'm sure it actually works your core too. So that helps out with your your rock climbing. Let's let's hope so, because this core, oh, <laughs> she needs a little help. <laughs> There's a six pack in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, a six pack of pierogies, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, just moving right along with that uh, rugby. Uh, sorry, that uh, rock climbing talk. How did you get into rock climbing? Uh, your brother? Your brother is very outdoors, from what I understand. Uh, yeah, sort of. My brother's the one who took me outdoors with the rock climbing. Um, but I really started with one of my buddies, Cody Trudgeon, really nice guy. He was actually my boss back at IKEA. What do you know? <laughs> he uh, he took me to the indoor rock climbing gym in Edmonton, vertically inclined. If anyone ever gets a chance, one of the best rock climbing gyms I've been to, and I've been to many of them. And how old were you at the time? Sorry to cut you off. Jesus, I was probably like. 16 or 17 at the time okay and I would just like go bouldering and uh, sort of stretch out have fun and that sort of stuff my brother eventually found out about this and he realized uh, that I wasn't doing anything outdoors which is a tragedy because climbing outdoors is beautiful Mm -hmm. it's amazing Mm -hmm. Um, so he took me outdoors and I uh, sort of ran with it picked it up and picked it up and sprinted that's awesome in fact I liked it so much I decided to uh, 
take my skills, move down to New Zealand, try uh, being an introductory mountain guide for, for a little while. and uh, That was one winter season, right? Two winter seasons. So that'd be their summer season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and try and climb as much as I can down there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun being, being stuck up somewhere uh, where you can see hundreds of uh, meters down below you, thousands of meters down below you sometimes, and it's just sort of your hands and feet holding you onto a wall. Yeah. It scares me. I don't get scared very often, and I like uh, I like the things that scare we, we me. Need, we need to have that little bit of respect too, right? Like even though you're having so much fun, you gotta understand that it might fucking kill you. Absolutely. <laughs> Aim is to not get fucking killed, mm-hmm. but uh, but it might, I guess. Yeah. You never know. You never know. Uh, and that was near Franz Joseph, correct? Uh, yeah, Franz Joseph down in New Zealand, in the South Island. Yeah. I have been through there. I think we talked about that before a few times. Yeah, we have chatted yeah, about there, that. There was the one place that did karaoke. It was like the ice something or whatever. The blue ice. That's it. That's the one. I won like $50 for, for drinks or whatever, so hey. I shared them with my, my travel bus companions. Nice. It was a good one. I did Hey Jude. I got everyone singing together. Nice. And I was like, just the girls. Just the guys. Everyone from Canada. Everyone That's, from Germany. <laughs> you got to work the crowd in that. You're like a gladiator. It's uh, it's about the crowd, about oh, the yeah. mob. Oh, exactly. I know. It was a hell of a time. Any uh, any funny stories that pop out to mind? Like anyone like that you might tell at a bar and like just get everyone kind of like you know, just captivated, eyes on you? Oh, geez. Funny stories while rock climbing. Uh, not too many funny ones. I've got tons of stories about times that we messed up. And... Yes, arriving on West Jet Flight 24. Your eggs can now be collected on belt number three. Your oversize will come out through the right doors and five the We're good. Yeah, we're good. Um, <clears throat> lots of times where uh, we've, we've made mistakes and been terrified, and those end up being my favorite stories, my favorite memories. Oh, always. Um, this one time down in New Zealand, um, it was my first year. We were we were doing something called the um, the Fitz Traverse, lower 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 Fritz Traverse, I should say, um, which is essentially just sort of three or four mountains in a row, where you uh, climb up the first one and you sort of just keep going along the mountain range, then would pop down onto the glacier by the end of the day. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, on the uh, second, uh, the third mountain on that on that one Lemur Peak, it's got a false saddle just below it. Yeah. What should happen when you get up Lemur Peak? You get down into Tower Saddle. You go down onto the glacier. You leave. Walk out the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get to this sort of false saddle, and this is the first time I was up there. This is the first time my buddy Chappie was up there. It was my other friend Will, who was very hungover, <laughs> was leading us on this adventure. No ropes, no anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because it wasn't sort of deemed necessary for this trip. Uh, and uh, he decides to take us down this saddle, which we assume is Tower Saddle, assume it's the way right out. I uh, get down to the bottom of this sort of big scree slope, don't see the hut that we're supposed to see at all, so he's like, ah, that's okay, I think we just went up valley a little bit far. Uh, we'll just traverse a couple ridges down valley, we'll probably find the hut, then we'll be off down to the glacier. Mm. Happy days. Um, of course, we've been in cloud for the last two hours, just because that's how it goes. So Disorientation we a little bit. Don't really know exactly where we are, and by the time we traverse a bunch of these uh, little ridges, clouds lift up. It's late in the day. We realize we're on top of a uh, sort of a ridge face that collapsed yep. sixty odd years ago. So if we keep going down any farther, we're just going to hit sheer straight down rock, which rocks we are not prepared for. Um, <clears throat> And so we decided to climb straight up the face uh, beside us, which led to about 40 or 50 minutes of the scariest climbing. Imagine like a, like a foot and a half wide walking space and mm-hmm. then a sheer cliff on one side and 2,000 meters of drop on the other side and you're just sort of holding on for dear life. 
And it's at that time that I realized that uh, I was the one who left the bar early the night before. Mm-hmm. Chappie went home with one girl, and so did Will go home with one girl. <laughs> so I was like, oh my god. They both just got laid. They're happy. They can die happy. I can't die on this mountainside. I've got to survive this. <laughs> We eventually did get on out. I distinctly remember right at the very end, there was a squeeze you had to get through. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> my buddy Will screamed down to me. He was like, Adam, I, uh, I took my backpack off just to get through the squeeze a little bit easier. And I was like, okay, sweet. We can, we're not going to do that. Mm. I wanted to keep my backpack on because if I got stuck halfway through there and I couldn't get out, it means I couldn't fall to my death, <laughs> which was fine for me. <laughs> eventually, we got up, we got down, everything was happy, and uh, it took about five hours longer than we planned to do it but it was an epic and it was a fun little adventure and I remember it uh, ever since. That's awesome man. Yeah. I was going to ask you what's uh, what's some good scary stories but that kind of falls in the same yeah, category that, that there. That kind of sure falls too. in the same category. <laughs> um, so how did you, you get into uh, firefighting by chance? Um, it was actually through rock climbing. I was at the rock climbing gym one day yeah. and I, uh, I just noticed the poster saying uh, we need firefighters, yeah. wildland firefighters. I was unhappy with the job that I was working at the time, and uh, I was ready for a change. And then the very next day after I first noticed this, took a picture of it, I was in a, uh, a CrossFit gym. Mm-hmm. I crushed out a workout with uh, another firefighter, uh, uh, another wildland firefighter, someone from the Edson district, gigantic beard, <laughs> bigger guy, never met him since, don't know his name, but yeah. uh, we finished the workout, and afterwards he was like, hey, Never considered being a wildland firefighter because you killed that workout we just did and you can definitely pass their fitness test and that was sort of what pushed me over the edge. That's awesome, man. A little bit of luck and I wanted to have the adventure, so. And you were a TBA to be announced technically, right? Yeah, yeah, so I was. The legend of the TBAs. Really committed to being a firefighter. <laughs> I really fucking wanted to do yeah, it. Yeah. I read books before my interview. I, like, I had it down as could be. I was working out every day so that mm-hmm. I could, uh, I was trying to trim weight to be a rap, uh, a rappel. Uh, member. That's hard. That is hard. I like, <laughs> I dropped thirty pounds in like three months. Holy Jesus! Yeah, I was I was sort of bittersweet when they told me I wasn't going to be in the rat program. Thank God I'm not there now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I worked my butt off for it, and uh, I only just got in by the skin of my teeth. I had to phone in because it was a little bit after they were going to tell people if they were coming to camp or not. Mm-hmm. Phoned in, asked them, they told me to wait a week and then they or wait a little bit, and then they called me back and they said, "Hey, we're going to bring you to camp." You don't have a job yet. Uh, you just sort of got to work for it. Um, which actually ended up being the best thing for me. Because when I applied to be in uh, in the firefighting program, I wanted to be in Calgary, Edson, or Rocky Mountain House. Like, yeah. everyone does. That doesn't sit... Like, now that I've known you for a few years, that doesn't sit you one bit. No, not at all. I mean, uh, it would be fun being near the mountains, but it's not at all where I want to be. And... Um, just because I was a TBA and got to go to camp before actually picking where I wanted to be, uh, it let me get an idea of what the districts were like. Mm-hmm. So everyone there, I asked, uh, I asked every lead, every leader who was coming to help us out and teach us. I asked them about their district and mm. what they liked about it. And I also asked them about high level district because there was no one from high level going to be there. Uh, Dave actually, as it turns out, my eventual leader was yep. supposed to be there, but he ended up getting pulled because they had too busy a fire season at a high level. <laughs> when I talked to all the leaders, they all told me good stuff about their district. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I asked them about high level, every single one of them says, oh, geez, well, I don't know too much about that. I've never been up there. Mm-hmm. But I know they're always on fire. <laughs> 
You're like, oh yeah, that sounds like a good place. I mean, yeah, if you want to <laughs> fight fire, you may as well fight fire, yeah, right? you want to do your job, you know? So, <laughs> hey, so, you're a firefighter, what do you do? Uh, by landscape. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's too many people that say that. Yeah. So at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the course, they asked us uh, to put down our three top districts where mm-hmm. we want to go, um, and they were going to try and sort it out amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, my three top districts were high level, high level, and high level. <laughs> Brian Wog actually pulled me aside the next day. He was like, wait, you're Adam, right? I'm like, yep. He's like, you're the one who put high level three times. I'm like, yep. He's like, you know you're the only one who put high level even once? <laughs> I was like, so does that mean I got it? <laughs> yeah, I might as well go where no one else wants to go if you really want that job, right? Right. You know, that's what that's what I always believe with, um, you know, applying to RCMP or other jobs as well. It's like, well, if, if you... If there's a job available, you know, I'll go anywhere, and then maybe I can pick where I want to go later. Unless you fall in love with the place. That's absolutely true, mm-hmm. which which happens. I think it's Stockholm Syndrome is what they call it. <laughs> That's what's happening with me in high level right quite, now. Quite the captors. And you know what, Stockholm Syndrome, uh, you're probably going to experience that here in St. John's as well. Oh, I guarantee it. I already love the place. It's yeah. beautiful. Well, this isn't your first time here, though, eh? Uh, no, it's not. I, uh, I visited... My brother was based out in Gander for a couple years. Mm-hmm. Um, which for anyone who hasn't ever been to the island is a couple hours drive away from few hours drive away from uh, from St. John's it's in the middle of the island mm-hmm. uh, so we'd come here before and I'd seen it I knew it was a beautiful place but I never really actually spent any time here um, but uh, I'm glad I glad I picked it it's beautiful so far beautiful so far the <laughs> people are <coughs> are really nice it wouldn't be a, co- a cough or an awkward throat clear on the awkward throat clear no <laughs> Um, I was going to go on here about, um, so you are liking Newfoundland. How are you liking the university? Mun University is quite legendary in Canada. Yeah, Mun's beautiful. I, uh, I quite like the place. The, uh, the campus, it's, it's a strange mix. It's got a mix of some very beautiful, nice brand new buildings that are, uh, set up quite well. Uh, and it's also got a mixture of some old, decrepit buildings that are the same that they were when they were built in, uh, 1960s. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I hear that. Which, I don't know, fair enough, but all the people seem to be really nice, and, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a nice enough little campus. It's, uh, a beautiful little spot. Yeah. I quite like it. I've been there before. It's actually quite nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... So, did you follow the the sports teams there at all? Like, I'm sure there's some Mun hockey going on. What's the, what's the hockey team here now? Because the Ice Caps aren't part of Montreal anymore. Are they? Are there, they folded? There is no hockey team here now. Oh man, that's it's, so sad. Like Mun doesn't have a hockey team. There's no major hockey team here. It's yeah. it's it's tragic. And I live right across from the arena. Oh, oh. god, that's that's. Oh well, uh, I haven't followed the sports uh, the sports teams too terribly much. Just no. don't have anyone on the teams I'm rooting for, but I'm sure I'll find someone yeah, eventually. No, for sure, for sure. How, how do you think you're going to deal with the three and a half hour time difference from Mountain Standard Time with the the Oilers games? Oh God, that's going to be painful. It's going to involve a lot of naps, a lot of late nights, and a lot of beer. I'm sure too. Mm-hmm. Once you get drunk enough, you really don't notice that time shift. Yeah. What's been your beer uh, go-to beer? Because when you're up north, usually your go-to beer choice is something like, uh, you know, brew house or something a bit like more of a dollar a can kind it's, of deal. It's, I definitely do that quite a bit up north. Down here, I've been exploring it quite a bit. Uh, Kitty Vitties are quite nice. I like the I like the Kitty Vitty Cream Ale. That's, yes. Uh, that's yes. a very, very um, good one. Eric's Cream Ale. Er, er, yeah, Eric's, Eric's Thread or Eric's Cream Ale. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It kind of sounds creepy if it's Eric's Cream. It's definitely a little bit creepy yeah, sounding. Yeah. There's, there's uh, that's actually, why I call it the cream ale. There's actually another couple of breweries here too. Um, 
There's the yellow belly, obviously, yeah, I which is delicious. I applied there years ago in 2013 after Ooh. I finished my rookie season. I applied to pretty much every brewery across Canada, and I was really hoping for the St. John's job. I was just like, come on, come on, just give it to me. An Albertan moving to Newfoundland, it'd be hilarious. It, yep, it is hilarious. <laughs> Do you get a lot of jokes about that? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going backwards, bud. We're supposed to be bugging you. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, that happens a little bit. Right on. Um, any big uh, road trips planned or anything like that? You are the, the outdoorsy person, so there's Lanza Meadows, which is quite far away from St. John's. There's Gross Morn, which is also quite far away. Uh, maybe Winter Getaway could be Marble Mountain. You are the ski uh, enthusiast, that's for sure. You visited me a few times in Jasper. That's true. I've got a I've got a friend down in Vermont, uh, actually, right now. He's uh, a doctoral. He's a doctor down in Vermont. He's a glaciologist and volcanologist, and he wants to do some skiing this winter. So I might go down visit uh, the northeastern United States to go for some skiing. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, that said, um, as far as in Newfoundland goes, there's going to be a lot of stuff. I've got to go out to Flat Rock, which is right by uh, mm. right by St. John's for climbing. I want to go. I want to go to Gross Morn because there's just massive, massive cliffs out there. Yeah. Jeez, those must be beautiful to climb. No, no kidding. I also hear there's a lot of great ice climbing out by Corner Brook, so I'm going to have to investigate that. I might try and sneak a semester out in Corner Brook. Frick, man, could you imagine like getting on one of those icebergs in the springtime and be able to climb that thing? It, it happens. It's possible. My brother used to. <laughs> the, my the brother smile, used to, folks. The smile he's got. My brother was a pad. Uh, he sold paddle boards for a while. He mm-hmm. imported his own paddle boards and sold them. Um, and yeah, he would paddleboard out to an iceberg and climb up to the top of it, which is a dumb idea. Don't do it if you're out there, because <laughs> those things flip like nothing else, and they split and crack, and you can end up in the ocean. Mm-hmm. But if you're a swimmer for the uh, for the Air Force, a rescue swimmer. Yeah, that's that's what his brother does. Probably not a big issue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm also actually going to the Bahamas in February, so that's a bit of a trip. Not a road trip, right? not a Newfoundland trip, but Ooh. it's going to be lovely. I was going to say, too, a really good time would be going to St. Pierre Miquelon uh, that belonged to France and, you know, vodka is cheaper than orange juice there. I've, uh, I've And I've only heard good one. things about that place. Well, the architecture and stuff, I'm not really sure about the people, but... <laughs> I mean, they're French, which... <laughs> Could go either French. way. Yeah. Well, uh, what I understand is that they really don't like Quebec, so all you need to go there be like, hey, Quebec, even though I love Quebec, and just be like, hey, don't they suck? <laughs> Give me some vodka. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, they also have, they, they refuse to import, like, things from Canada. So all their cheeses and all their wines, they're all right yeah. French. So yeah. they, they, they send everyone from uh, from there to go to school in France. It's it's very, very French. They speak real Francais. Yeah, I'm almost, almost Parisian. I might uh, might go take a trip out there one mm. of these days. I've been meaning to myself. Uh, last time I came out was 2008 here, and I had the dream, uh, the very um, gung-ho ambition to take the public transportation out there. Uh, but yeah, no, it doesn't exist. No, no, <laughs> there's no. no bus that goes to like that side of Newfoundland. No, really. Newfoundland is a very, very large place, and it's not very well populated. No, it's, uh, it's not. Sadly, lots of people who don't come to the island don't have an idea of just how big. No, really, I, I knew how is. big it was. I truly did know how big it was. I just thought that I was just very naive at the thought that they had a bus that went across, or they had a train system. But much like Alberta, uh, no train really. No. <laughs> yeah, you can't really take the train from northern Alberta to southern Alberta, which is kind of sad. Unless you're hopping on there like a boxcar Joe or something like that. It's fair. It's fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I going to say here? Some else I was going to bring up about rock climbing. Uh, what, are some, what are some of your favorite rock climbing spots in Canada or the rest of the world? Oh, geez. Or, well, or what are some highlights, too, like some, some top ten or top five places? We'll do some exciting stuff. We'll do some Canada stuff. Uh, I do a lot of Jasper area climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
my favorite place to take people out, especially beginners, is out near. Um, uh, oh, it's called Hidden Valley. It's just uh, ten minutes past the park entrance to Jasper. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a beautiful little spot. It uh, can be quite windy, but there's just so so many routes, and there's a lot of really accessible stuff, and you can walk up and top rope stuff. And you, I've taken probably a dozen firefighters out there for their very first rock climb mm-hmm. outdoors, which is awesome. And um, when you finish that spot up, you can always go to Folding, Folding Mountain Brewery. That's yes. 10 minutes. Uh, it's like 10 meters before the, the park entrance from on the Hinton side. I suppose you could. Yes, on the way home for a good reward. Well done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You could you could do it on the way out there and put a beer in your chalk bag. But, of course, I wouldn't condone drinking no. while climbing. I've never done that before. Not if the 30 podcast does not condone drinking <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> Continue on. Sorry. Um... Another good one out in Jasper, uh, there's a little sort of semi-alpine climb, so semi-day trip, it's just a couple hour climb, it's called the Arch. Mm-hmm. It doesn't actually go to an actual peak, but there's a gigantic arch feature in the rock mm-hmm. that's like probably 10 meters tall, the inside of the arch, and then another 5 meters for the actual outside of the arch. Yeah. It's just a really cool feature that you can climb up to. I actually climbed it with, um, um, with a guy you've had on this podcast before, Noah Stevens. Yes. Brought him on his very first... He was first, pretty pumped about that. He was pretty pumped about that yeah. one. Yeah, I climbed that one in Dunlops, dragging him up there. I'm a little bit jealous, too, because I haven't done any rock climbing yet, either. Hey, I'm, man. I'm, I'm, I'm heavier than you, but I'm sure I can do it. Oh, we can we can drag you up any cliff <laughs> that, uh, that we can get up there. Chlova, why weigh so much? I brought a 24-pack of beer. <laughs> oh, bring that later! Later! We'll get that later. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be my fault. That'd be that'd be my my doom. That uh, that sounds like a good doom to have. Actually, that's another kind of funny story. Is with Noah and uh, I believe it was Neil Neil Farinowski. I believe mm. it was Pepper up there. Yeah. We get to the top of this climb. We sort of walk over to the side. We uh, get to some rappel chains. I'm like, okay, guys, now we've got to rappel off this mountain. So to rappel, what you've got to do is, and then I showed them how to mm-hmm. rappel on the top of a mountain, which is not something that happens very often. Mm-hmm. And I'd like, uh, <laughs> I didn't have enough to rappel devices for everyone to use one, so I gave one to the two new guys, and then mm-hmm. I had to sort of makeshift my one. It's called a carabiner break. Oh, okay. I haven't done it in forever, and it took me about two minutes to figure out how to do the thing, and eventually I was like, oh yeah, that's how it goes, and then I'm like, all right, good luck, guys. <laughs> <laughs> right down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, other good climbing spots, uh, I just climbed uh, Ha Ling Peak down in Canmore, mm-hmm. Chinaman's Peak. Mm-hmm. It's been renamed since then. That one is a heck of a face climb right there. I bet. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've seen some uh, some people freak out quite hard on that one, but I it can be also surprised. be pretty exciting. There's another really big one um, just past Banff on the, way, on the way to Lake Louise. I think it's called the castle or the fortress or something like that the castle it castle it, mountain maybe? castle mountain that's a possibility yeah, it yeah. it's got there. again like drive by when i used to deliver uh beer for grizzly paw brewing company and there's this, this big sheer face it almost looks like like almost kind of like el capitan but nowhere near the same size obviously but uh yeah quite quite just like vertical and i'm like Ooh, <laughs> that looks all right and there's also um uh, the, the one that you're talking about in Jasper is that near the Palisades by chance? Because there is also a big face right there. That too. is near the Palisades, and uh, the Palisades are it also seems another, like a quite popular one. It's another climbing area. I've never done anything mm-hmm. in the Palisades mm-hmm. themselves, mm-hmm. but uh, it is a popular climbing area. Right on. But my very favorite climbing spot in the world is down in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. If anyone ever gets to go down there, it's uh, it's right by Takaka, um, which is up near Nelson area, just yeah, over the I've hill. Been there, yeah. up over the hill from Nelson, it's called Payne's Ford. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a good name, right? <laughs> uh, it's a beautiful area, just 
loaded, loaded with climbs, tons of bolts, mm-hmm. um, lots of trad too. There's also some bolted trad, which is kind of funny. Like you wouldn't really want to bolt a crack because yes. you can put traditional gear in there, mm-hmm. but it happens anyways because it's just so damn popular. One of the climbs is actually called Oops Honey, I Bolted the Crack. <laughs> Pretty decent. Um, right by Painsford there, though, is uh, this camp called the Hangdog Camp, which used to cost like $3 a night mm-hmm. just so that campers or climbers could specifically go there, bum out, hang out with other climbers. And uh, right by the camp is this big swimming hole with a bouldering problem called the acid test underneath it. So you go climbing all day, then you go swimming and climb in there and meet a whole bunch of folks. It's a beautiful spot. That I love it. That seems all there. right, man. That seems really all right. Mm-hmm. So we got to talk about some of your loves. Like what your heart just belongs to, not the Oilers, but uh, go Oilers. Your, your, your Jeep and your bike. Oh God! Do you have the Jeep out here? I don't. I don't. Oh, that's geez. actually that's actually a sore spot. The oh, Jeep man. died. The Jeep is dead. The Jeep died. Did, did, did it die in Edmonton at least it, when you got you home? It it died in Westlock, but I limped it over to Edmonton, <laughs> which is an hour's worth of a drive. Yes. So thank God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The transmission went on it, and oh, I. Oh no. I, I actually swapped the transmission off in days off. Mm-hmm. I pulled it, popped a new one in, and got it going. The transmission I swapped in was from a donor Jeep, and the transmission was blown as well. Oh, shit. And I just decided I didn't want to crawl underneath it anymore, so that, that thing's... She gone. So what'd you pick up? I don't have anything. I'm, uh, I'm carless right now. So how'd you get out here? Just flew? Yep. Oh, man. Just, uh... Just a pocket full of dreams. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, and the bike is back home, I think. The bike is back home. The bike is back home and beautiful. And what, oh. what kind of bike do you have? I've got a 2003 Suzuki Katana. Mm-hmm. Doesn't uh, have any of the fairings on it, which thank God, because the 2003 Suzuki Katana with all the fairings looks like a dildo on wheels. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, it's got everything torn off of it. It's got a big round headlight on it. It's uh, sort of stripped down into a Street Fighter mm. uh, mode. It's got a beautiful beautiful blue coat of paint on it right now uh it's grabber blue it's from old like those bright blue old mustangs Mm -hmm. it's got little suzuki logos in the side of it that thing is gorgeous i love that motorcycle how how, how fast have you ripped on it uh going north faster than i'd tell my mom i hope that's that's very good so faster than 80 kilometers an hour that's uh, yes 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 (laughs) not much faster than that though mom Oh, fair enough. Um, what keeps going? What, what keeps you coming back to hack? Oh, hell, hell attack, firefighting. Jeez, uh, a couple things. Um, the biggest one though is sort of the freedom that it gives me. Mm. Uh, I like to adventure. I like to sort of put myself out on uh, on a limb as much as I can. Um, but it's a lot easier to do that and to go on smaller, smaller, smaller and smaller limbs if you've got something that's sort of protecting you, mm. right? So you can, climbing metaphor, you can climb harder stuff if you've got a rope on you. Yeah. Because if you fall, the rope's going to catch you, right? Well, uh, hack is, hack is, uh, it's sort of been my, uh, my safety, my safety rope, my mm. safety tether. Mm. So... When I'm in hack, I've got a very good job that can go for a few months of the year. And then I've got the rest of the year to do sort of whatever I want, whatever I can deem it. So be it try and be a ski patroller when I can't really ski and don't know much about medicine, or if it's moved down to New Zealand because I want to try that out. I can yeah. I can go out on those limbs and sort of risk it all. And if it totally gets messed up, then in six months I can come back and fight fires again and get a decent paycheck and with the friends that I've made the whole time and that's probably the biggest thing um, right next close to that though is 
the friends and the people that you meet along the way, especially mm-hmm. in high level, we seem to have a good bunch of people come up there consistently. Yeah, yeah, like very few guys that come up there are, are real a-holes, and if they are, then they usually don't come back. Yeah, um, generally. I yeah. mean, you got me coming back, so... Uh, yeah, no, you got me coming back, too. They suck. We're just the worst. There's a couple that, that sneak through those That's why packs. we get along so well. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We're peas in the pod. No, man, I totally hear you on that. Um, actually, I just got interviewed by Vicky. Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah, Faces of Firefighting. So I had to come up with, like, what keeps me coming back and all that kind of stuff. And it's pretty much the same what you just said there. Uh, the people and, you know, it is it is a really good job. And, you know, if you put that one year in and you do a good job, they will let you come back. You know, they do give you that seniority. Um, you, you, I think you're the only leader I really interviewed uh, that's still currently fighting fire at the moment. Yeah. How do you like leading? Um, I quite like leading a crew. Uh it's got its own challenges, for sure, uh, but it's also got a lot of opportunities and a lot of stuff that I quite like. My favorite part about fighting fires now is sort of the tactics and the strategy that go along with it, like what we can do, how we can um, get around something and all that sort of stuff. Plus, it's really, really um, rewarding to uh, to sort of have that responsibility to accrue, to have a responsibility to a couple of people, or at least feel that. Mm. Um, and then follow through with that and see folks grow and meet expectations and exceed expectations and that sort of stuff. That's that's really quite rewarding. And that's good because it sometimes makes up uh, for having to deal with three guys and their egos and their feelings and their wants yeah. and how they deal with the season and yeah. cleaning up their messes so they don't actually become messes and making <laughs> sure things don't get out of hand. Yeah. Uh, you went to Montana this year. How'd you like that? Oh, Montana was beautiful. That, that, was, that was for a fire export too, yes, folks. Yes, yeah. fire export down to Montana. That was that was a very lucky. We were uh, extremely lucky to go down there. Mm-hmm. All, all super super happy to have the opportunity. Yeah, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It was really good to see um, not just sort of the different fire culture, but even just the different fire. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things that um, th- there's there's a bit of a. I don't know, a cliche mentality that folks down in the States are absolutely insane in the way they fight fire and, um, like, they take unnecessary safety risks and all that sort of stuff. But something that a lot of people don't realize is they they might play the same game, but they play it by very, very different rules. Mm. And that's not dictated by by the, uh, the group of people that are going out and doing it. It's dictated by the fire. Mm-hmm. Fires are just different beasts down there. It's, yeah. uh, it's It was a good thing to see. Not firsthand. We didn't get to actually fight a fire down there. <laughs> Ironic. The high-level guys are the ones not are the ones sitting around, and yeah. all the folks from Calgary and Lac La Biche, all they all get the action. But yeah. um, whatever, spread the stuff out. But you, could, but you did get to fly, uh, fly in a helicopter, though, right? Did get to fly in a Huey, a Huey, actual Huey. That is alright. Yeah, not just a medium, not just a Bell medium, but a Huey that we, was in Vietnam. We've got a lot of people that uh, are kind of new to helicopters and firefighting. Can you explain a bit more what a Huey is? Uh, if you've ever seen uh, We Were Soldiers, you know yep. those great big helicopters? A- any Vietnam go, movie. Yeah, any <laughs> Vietnam movie, the gigantic ones that have... Um, the big MG-42 on the side. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, those that things. Is, so, so just something that's just built to kick ass. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> They're a lot bigger than what we usually fly in. Yeah. So it's exciting to be in those things. That's awesome, man. No, I was quite jealous of you how you got to go down to Montana this year, that's for sure. But uh, we were busy with fighting fire, hopping in our spot. So yeah, thanks, you guys boys. got to fight fire, we got to <laughs> go and see things. Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, you do cover a lot of different, uh, you know, cool jobs. You've had a lot of fun experiences. 
Um, so that gives you a lot of possibility to do many different ventures. What is your dream job? Or do you have one? Do you have a, poss- a couple of different possibilities? Um, I've always said uh, when people ask me what my final goal is, uh, especially nowadays at university started, they always ask me what my final goal is, and I always say I'm, I mean to be happy mm. by the end of the uh, by the end of my time here. Um, so my dream job is whatever sort of accomplishes that for me. I want to be out adventuring. I want to go and see parts of the world that you can't sort of see if you're just a tourist. Uh, I want to do exciting and cool things. I like to help people. Um, I don't really know what my dream job is. But it's going to be something that uh, keeps me happy, keeps me interested, and keeps me adventuring. I forgot to ask you as well on here, uh, what are you taking in school? Uh, I'm in general sciences right now. Um, General sciences. General sciences. (laughs) Um, But I'll probably be declaring for either earth sciences or uh, or biology or Mm -hmm. maybe maybe a little bit of both or something like that. Fair enough, fair enough. Mm -hmm. And uh, we kind of, uh, I brought it up, but I brought up all these other questions so we kind of forgot. What are, what's a, a, like a, a main thing you really want to climb like what's one of the biggest things you want to climb up front like you want to go to uh, uh, Yosemite like oh god yes somewhere in Africa I want to go climb Yosemite um, any big daunting peaks I want to climb <laughs> like you, you give me a little exposition about a mountain and I'll be like yeah I want to be on top of that thing right right now just be on top of that like everything yeah everything I can see everything I can get to I want to, I want to climb it uh, right now my big uh a big couple are uh, Mount Edith Cavell. Mm. Really, uh, really interested in climbing yes, that. Sir. Something in Jasper called the Rabbit Ears. That looks really, really okay. interesting to me. Um, but like, Jesus, Yosemite, that would be a beautiful thing to go climb one day. Do you know the history behind Edith Cavell? Uh, yeah, the Edith, name? Edith Cavell was named um, was named after a nurse in mm-hmm. World War One. I. I believe she was uh, she was a Dutch nurse. English. English. Yeah. English nurse. Uh, she was helping um, the troops in World War One, I, I believe, covertly. Yeah. Um, in German territory, she was helping uh, in Belgium. Yeah. In Belgium. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, German-occupied Belgium. Yeah. She was yeah. helping uh, folks. And the day that Mount Edith Cavell was climbed for the very first time was either the day she was captured or executed. No kidding. One of the two. Um, and that was near on. I think it was a hundred and five years ago. Uh, this last <clears throat> August, um, yeah, it's one of the most accessible three thousand meter peaks in mm-hmm. uh, in Canada. And right on. I mean to climb it. It's in a beautiful area too. I did live there, so it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen <laughs> this next summer. I'm gonna be on top of that mountain. Oh, it's gonna be great. So we're almost out of time here. By the uh, almost out of time is I need to almost get on my plane here pretty quick uh, to go into jolly Eng- old England. Yeah, that'll be um, fun. Just to close it up, do you have any bold predictions for the Oilers? Oh, God. Uh, how, Oil- many, how many wins? Oh, the Oilers are going to... Uh, I don't know how many wins they're going to take, but... Uh, div div uh, winners? They're going to take the div division. Champs. Oh, yeah. They're going to take yeah. the division. They're going to they're gonna push for the uh, Stanley Cup final spot at mm-hmm. the very, very least. Mm-hmm. Um, my bold prediction for right now, uh, the killer... Kyler Yamamoto, yeah. he's going to crack the opening night roster. You think so? Absolutely. I wouldn't be opposed to that. I don't want him to stick around the whole season, but I would like to see him like for 10 games, maybe. Uh, nine games would be beautiful, because then next year he could come back and take the... He could be the very first... Uh, he could be the very first... Oh, what's the trophy? He could be the very first Oilers Calder winner. That could be possible, yeah. Is, t- is 10 games the, the, the commitment? Nine games. Nine, Nine games, games okay. or, and you can go back and you can... Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. Um, Sorry, I thought it was 12. If he... If he goes if he doesn't stay for more than nine games he's going to be a college 
Calder Trophy winner oh, next I, season. I wouldn't doubt that in my mind at all. And uh, what I'm really, really hoping for is he's going to get uh, a hat trick one day, mm-hmm. and the Oilers Nation blog is going to put up a picture, um, and uh, it's going to be titled Attack of the Killer Yam. <laughs> it's going to be one of those campy old 80s horror movies. Yeah, yeah. And well, what I'm, ho- what I'm hoping for personally for Yamamoto is that the, you know, the hashtag or the, the cliche name will be uh, Hello Moto. Nice. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's a good hoping. one. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, Oilers gonna gonna go strong this year. Put money on them if you got money to put on them, and if you like gambling, um, that's the gist. Go Oilers! <laughs> go Oilers! Go! All right, well I gotta get out of here. Uh, thanks for meeting with me there, IKEA. Have yourself a, a good rest of the semester. I certainly will. You enjoy England. You enjoy uh, your hockey tournament. Yes. Which you're going to tournament uh, Oktoberfest Balkans Balkans with Nelson and Trav. Yeah, d- yeah. You have uh, have a whole bunch of fun in uh, Europe and don't do anything I wouldn't do. Oh, that that leaves the list, you know, with all kinds wide of open. <laughs> yeah. wide open, wide <laughs> open. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much, and yeah, have yourself a good evening or whatever time of day you're listening to this. And go Oilers. Go Oilers. Go.